one of the things I've always found so fascinating um, uh, about church, especially in you know in, in, in Christianity and in um, any holy Holy Spirit filled church, is that you, you, you never know how Holy Spirit is going to move. You know, you just never know, and that's why it's just so important for us to just be attuned to God and be able to just kind of flow and receive of God because you never know when there's something that needs to be said you never know when God may want to touch touch us in a very special way and you know that's because of the fact that God knows the future he knows where things are going in all of our lives so with that you know how big of a sense of well-being do we all have um, is there a sense of confidence is there a deep knowing deep inside of you that that God will see you through whatever it is that you're going through is there a deep knowing inside of you um, that God knows your, your situation, that God knows where you stand, you know? And many times um, we kind of falter there unknowingly and unwittingly. It just takes a moment for our faith to dwindle or our faith to, to stall out for a little bit for us to start wondering, you know, God, where are you? You know, are you really there? And so we need to really, really understand who we are. Okay, and when we say who we are, I'm not saying my name is Michael Cobb, I live it, blah, 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 and so on like that, and yes, I'm a Christian. What I even felt and heard through prophecy this morning is that God is looking for his children, a remnant of his people, that are really willing to, to commit to him and to get closer to him. So it's time for us really, really to desire to move to a different spiritual level. Now, we've had several sermons on the spirit of discernment and understanding the fact that we are indeed spiritual beings and there's a spiritual realm out there. And that is the realm that is indeed important. And that is indeed important. That is the realm in which um, things and challenges in our lives come from. And that is the realm in which things and challenges in our lives can be overcome. So we really have to start getting in our heads something beyond this physical dimension this pulpit that's here and the chairs that you're sitting in, moving beyond that physical dimension, coming to church and driving to and from church and work and school, wherever you're going, that there's a whole spiritual realm that God wants to relate to me on. And believe it or not, that I am part of that spiritual realm. All right? You've got to get that understanding deep within your spirit and deep within your head. Because if you can get that deep within your head and understand who you are relative to God, it will help to put things in perspective when you start running into challenges in life, when you start running into issues, and when your faith starts dwindling, or when, when the, the, the uh, devil puts a, a thought in your mind and starts attacking you, and look at what's all of this on your plate, my gosh, how are you going to get this done? You've got this expectancy, you're waiting for this, and you're wondering, gee whiz, is God out there? You know, you know, well, we're going to see by today's message that God is indeed out there, and he's here with you, and you've got to understand your relationship to him. So we're going to go back to some real fundamental basics here. Let's go to the first chapter of Genesis. The first chapter of Genesis. 
You know, we get so caught up in our day-to-day lives, and it's so easy to do because we're so busy. Everything is operating in, in overtime, overdrive today, whatever the expression is. You know, things just moving so rapidly, and we get so caught up in the physical world and what's going on around us that we forget about who we are. We, we, we even forget that God is right there. And we often wonder, you know, does God know what I'm going through? Or I have sent up a prayer to God and what's taking the time and being answered? You know, well, first of all, again, it's important for us to understand who we are. Okay, so going back to some basics, Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, 26. Okay, we're going back here to the beginning. 26, Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let, him have, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, underline, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he him. Okay, so it's interesting to see, underlining there again, God created man in his own image. It's interesting also in verse number 26, it says, um, let us, underline us, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Okay, so it's interesting that us here obviously is referring to the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. And so it's so interesting in our image that we are indeed made in our image in that we all right, sitting there in this congregation, me standing here before you, we are a, a three-part or a tripartite being. There's a trinity here. God said, let us make, make man in our image. Three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We are three parts also. Okay, we are body, mind, and spirit. Okay, body, mind, and spirit. So I find that interesting that we are indeed three parts also. Of course, the spirit being in me, being made in God's image, the real image there is the spirit of man. So we are made, God created us just like him in terms of the fact that the true you is a spiritual being. You gotta get that deep within your, your, your head and deep within your spirit and in your mind. You are a spiritual being created in the image of God. God placed us in these tents, in these tabernacles, in these physical bodies so that we can traverse the physical world here on this earth. But the true you is that spirit being. That true you, that spirit being, is what will go on into eternity. Either in one of two places, either in heaven or in hell. But you cannot destroy a spirit. Well, God can, but, but a spirit does not get destroyed. Amen. It goes into eternity according to the word of God. So the true you, you got to get that in your head. Because the issues that you're going through in life are pertaining to your physical existence. You know, I mean, if you've got spiritual issues in terms of faith and so on, then that's, you know, you deal with that um, in terms of with God. But the physical issues that mostly impact you are the physical things in, in life. You know, you know, the ability to pay your bills, the ability to, to find, find housing, the ability to eat, the ability to find a car. All of those things are your physical, your physical things that we wind up wrestling with. But the true you is made in the image of God. You are a spirit being. So you've got to get that down in your spirit and understand it. Next, let's go to Ephesians. To the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter 2. You are a spirit being. And, 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 and after, you know, during today's message and afterwards, if you think on this and get it into perspective a little bit, 
it'll make you understand more that you're, you are not in this thing alone. That whatever it is that might be going on in your life, whatever things you may be dreaming for, whatever things you might be aspiring for, be it whether it's related to you personally, to, to family, to friends, to your environment, or whatever, you're not in this thing alone. Uh, you are a spirit being that is very much connected to God. Very much, okay? Um, Ephesians 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2, we're going to start with verse number 1. Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you have made me... And you have, I'm sorry, and you have he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all had our manner of life in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by the nature of the children of wrath. Uh, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. All right? Even when we were dead in sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Please underline verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You are saved not by anything that you could do. Okay, this was a gift of God. God loves you so much that he said that I'm going to send my son. And through the work of Jesus Christ, you were saved. Nothing you could do about that. You didn't, you didn't, we didn't deserve it. But God said, I'm going to do it because I love him. All right? So that's another thing that you have to get back in, deep into your spirit too. That God loves me so much that he sent his son to the cross for me. And by his grace, by his goodness, I'm saved. I've turned away as those preceding verses say. You know, you were once dead in sin and so forth like that. Once you came to the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, God gave you this grace. Alright? So no matter what's going on in your life, you've got this grace of God that's going to be able to carry you through. Alright? And then verse number 9 says, not of works, unless any man should boast. So reading that through smoothly from verses 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, underline that not of yourselves, it is the gift, underline gift of God, not of works, unless any man should boast. Underline not of works, unless any man should boast. And that gets to what we have indeed heard so many people talk about is works. You know, oh, I went out and I saved, you know, 25 people. You didn't save anyone. You, you, you know, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. I did this and I did that. You know, I went to Haiti and I did this. I went to so-and-so and I did this. And they think by their works. Your works cannot get you saved. It was a gift of God. And, and what God is saying in verse number 9 is saying, not of, works unless any, not of works unless any man should boast. So in other words, if salvation could be through your own works, that's exactly what man would be bragging about, okay, and which some people do erroneously. They brag about the things that they do and that that is what saves me, okay, and God is telling us, no, 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 there's nothing that you could do. This was by the grace of God, all right, so start remembering that, all right, this is any, not anything that you could do. God gave you this free of charge, undeservedly. Verse number 10, for, and listen to this, for we are his workmanship, 
Underline that. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in him. Underline, uh, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Alright? So we are his workmanship. So again, then God is telling us something here. That, that I, 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 I crafted you. You know? Now, anything that you have, I mean, if you've ever created anything, I mean, a, a painting, if you knit, I mean, anything, piece of woodwork, anything that you've done, you, you, you're proud of this thing, your craftsman, your workmanship, and you protect it, you know, you just don't abandon it, you know. I mean, how many of us have gone to clean out our attics or garages and you found something that maybe you created in school years ago or one of your children created years ago, and even though you need the space, you cannot get rid of that thing because it was made, it was created. Well, we are God's workmanship. All right, and God loves us. He's not going to throw us aside all right, when we start thinking about the things that's going on in our lives. Then we hear in Jeremiah, Jeremiah, book of Jeremiah, verse 1. Okay, now, this is where it really starts getting interesting. And it gives, gives us really something to think about here. Jeremiah, verse number 1, Old Testament. Amen. So many times we go through life without day-to-day issues and we, we don't think about these heavy truths that we're reading here today. And we lose sight of, of who we are and how important we are to God. And in us struggling uh, with the various issues of life, quote unquote, you know, we get caught up in the physical realities and we forget that there's a much deeper spiritual reality out there which, which is, is really working for us. So Jeremiah chapter 1, starting with verse number 4. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. Please in the line, I knew thee. Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Underline, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee. Underline, I ordained thee. A prophet into the nations. Then said I, Our Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. Underline, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. Underline, say not, I am a child. Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. Underline, that I shall send thee. And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Underline, whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. I am with thee to deliver thee. Underline that, please. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Underline, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations. Underline, I have, set, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. So going back to verse number, number, number 5, this is where um, Jeremiah is being called. And the same thing applies, applies to us. Because it says, Before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee. You know? So understand that before conception God knew who you were 
Alright? Before there was the physical reality of conception in your mother's womb, God knew who you were. So that means then that you, and, and you can really drive yourself nuts trying to understand this, but God knew you as a spirit before you were formed physically in your mother's womb. Amen? He then goes on to say that I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Okay? Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Alright? So while you were in your mother's womb, God sanctified you or set you apart. The word sanctified means to be set apart. Alright? This is why we here in this ministry, this is why we pray over mothers from the time that we learn of conception in the womb. This is why we pray over moms while the babies are in every single stage of development because we know here and we understand in this ministry according to the word of God that that child has a spirit and that spirit has been set aside by God. And we pray for that baby. We pray for the baby spirit from the time that we know that a mom is pregnant with child. Amen. So God knew you and sanctified you. And then he says there that I ordained thee a, pro- a prophet unto the nations. Then he goes on to say in verse number 6, Then said I, our Lord God, behold, I, am a, I cannot speak for I am a child. God comes back and says, Don't say that you're a child, for thou shalt go, thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatever I command thee, thou shalt speak. So, relative to us today, God knew you before you were formed in the womb. God has a plan for your life. He set you aside, He ordained you for a purpose in this life. Alright? Alright? And make no mistake about that. Alright? You sitting in that chair today, God had a plan for you to be here sitting in this chair God knew when you were going to come to the Lord and he set it forth. Now, you know, we can get into this, this heavy discussion over, over predestination and everything. And, you know, I've heard, you know, some theologians and people who try to get so uh, 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 theological and, and so intellectual over it. Well, then, if I've been predained, if, been, if it's been predestinated for me to do a certain thing, then why do I have to try? Why don't I just sit back and then just let God go on and do whatever? What sense does it make to even try? Because God has already laid it out for me. God has laid it out for you, but he also made us free moral agents. So while from the beginning of time, from the, before you were formed in the womb, God knew you and God set you aside and God ordained you, going through your course of life, God still leaves it up to you to make choices. All right? We still have those choices. God knows what he has intended for you. And he goes on to say it to him. He says, don't think that you're like a child. In other words, don't feel that you're unable to do whatever it is that you need to do. Don't feel that you're incapable. He says there, I, I, I am a child. But the Lord said, don't say I'm a child, but, but, but you shall go forth and I shall send you. Whatever I command you, you shall speak. So in the things that you have to do in this life, whatever those challenges are, if you have to go before someone, if you have to go to see someone, or if there's a decision that you need to make or something that you need to say, God has it all planned out because he knew you from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time that you were formed. And God will give you the words to say, you see. But the problem is, is that when we get faced with difficult times in our life and we have to go meet with someone or there's a, a form we have to fill out or whatever it is that's going on that is such a daunting um, task for us, we forget the fact that we're not alone, you see. 
And this is where we miss it as being Christians and children of God. We still wind up trying to do things on our own and of ourselves. Instead of remembering that when this thing hits you or whatever it is that you're dealing with or praying for, remembering that it is not just me, my physical self that's involved in this. I am a spirit being who is, which is a child of God, who is a child of God. And God has this plan for my life. God has set me aside. God has determined that this is the direction he wants me to go in. So I should not feel um, um, uh, uh, unable or, or that I don't have the ability to do this thing that I am going to do or this thing that I need to do. Because God will give me the words. God will tell me what to do. You know, you know if, if you could, you know, I, I kind of envision this as some a vast space in the beginning of an unknown time because there is no beginning for God that God knew this spirit named Michael Cobb and God knew the time that I was going to be born into this physical world and God had a plan for me you know you see and as you get a little more mature in life and you look back on the years past and you look at the ups and downs and how God brought you through more victorious you know Lee um, it kind of pays sometimes to be more of a mature person because you can look back on your life and you can see where God had his hand on you through the good times and the bad times and then the scripture comes into such clear focus you see so understand when I say to you that, 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 that at the age that I'm in at now and looking back over the past years of my life and the various things that has happened and God has brought me through and he's always been there I can see where that scripture is so real it's so real God knew what he was God knew that I had to be here in this pulpit whereas years back decades back that was the furthest thing from my mind trust me <laughs> all right okay but God knows where it is that he wants you to be but it's all about your choices all right so do not think that whatever's lying before you right now that you're in this thing by yourself because you are not. And what we heard today in prophecy there is that God is looking for people who are ready and willing to move to a higher level. So that means that higher level then is forgetting the fact that or not being hung up on the fact that I am a physical being that needs to accomplish this, that or the other. That God knows what you need to accomplish. God knows what it is that you're striving for. God knows where you feel like um, um, I am a child. And he's saying there, he says, don't worry about that, because whatever I command thee, thou shalt speak. And he says in verse number 8, be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee. Alright? So be not afraid of their faces, as whoever it is that you might have to be dealing with, or a situation, or a circumstance. You know, do not worry about that, because God is going to deliver you through that. You know? You know, I, I always, I mean, you know, we've all seen... You know, the experiments where you have a mouse or a rat running through a maze or, or something like that, and, and you, the human being, who are much, is much larger than the rat, and you can see where the end of the maze is, you know. God knows where the exit to that maze is, so to speak, of our lives, and God knows every single turn that's in our lives, you know. So you're not in this thing by yourself. God knows. But when this thing is upon us, and this is all of us, you know, and, and, and there are times that, that, that those five or ten seconds when a new challenge comes into my life, I've got to readjust also. Okay, I'm a human being. You know, just because I'm up here preaching doesn't mean I'm, a, I'm not a human being. You know, and, and not subject to the same attacks that you are, and probably more so. But I get that thing in my head. Then I've got to readjust also say, wait a minute, now I'm not in this by myself. So I'm going to rebuke these thoughts in the name of Jesus and I'm going to remember that God is with me and that God has a plan for my life and God knows. God knows every single instance when there's, there's a tragedy coming up in your life. 
when, when, when there's a death in the family, when, when, when there's a, a situation that's going to be challenging for you, God knows when that's going to be. So when that comes up into your life, whatever that challenge might be, be it a death or some other thing that is not pleasant, realize the fact that God knew you before you were born. So therefore, God knows that this thing was coming up. And God says, don't feel like a child. In other words, don't feel that you're incapable. Don't feel like I can't cope. Don't feel like I can't deal this. Because I will give you the words to say. I will give you the actions. He then goes on to say in verse number 9, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. I have this day set thee over the nations. So relative to us and whatnot, setting you this day over the nations means that God has set you over the problem. God has set you over whatever that issue might be in your life. Whatever any situation that could come down the pike in your life, God has set you over it. Okay? And that he's there, for, he's there to bring you through. But many times, as I'm saying here, is that we oftentimes forget that. So if you can just kind of start remembering in your spirits that this whole thing here, God has in control. He has had it in control before you were even born. He knew you as a spirit. Put your own name in that sentence. God knew your name as a spirit. In parentheses, I'm saying your name. Amen. God knew you. All right? Okay? And if you can picture yourself being there, that God is the spirit being, and I'm going to place the spirit being into this womb, and this is where it's going to be. You know? In 19 so-and-so or in 2000 so-and-so, the spirit being is going to come to know me. The spirit being that I'm setting forth in this womb is going to accept my son, Jesus Christ. And this spirit being is going to become this, is going to do this. There's going to be roads, forks in the road for this little spirit being to take. But I'm going to be loving the spirit being and I'm going to be calling to the spirit being, you see. Once God places you, that spirit being, in the womb of your mom, and then you are born and your life starts progressing as a physical person, as a spiritual being in a physical body, God is monitoring you. God is saying at the appointed time, he or she is going to come to me. And God is calling to you all of those times because he's chosen you. Okay? And that's where the forks in the road, the decision points in our lives happen, where we choose to go to the left or to the right. Amen? But everyone sitting here at, in, this, in this sanctuary this day, at some point there was a fork in the road in your life, and you decided to take that fork that would lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen? God knew that was going to happen. Okay? But he stands back and he waits for you to make the choice, because God never forces anyone to come to him. Okay? So in like fashion, you know, God knows that when this, this spirit that I placed in that body, that is now living at 123 Maple Street, okay, they're going to graduate and they're going to go on to take this job, and this particular thing is going to happen in this job. And the choice is going to be there. But I'm going to be calling to guide. See, this is where that discernment thing comes in that we've been talking about so much. Amen? Amen? Because all through the paths of our lives, God is calling to us to speak to us, to give us the words to say, and to tell us the actions to take. But so many times when we get caught up in these things, we forget that we have this spiritual connection with God. We forget that we were made in God's image. We forget that we are spirit beings. And we try to handle it on the physical level. Which means that we just go on making decisions and forgetting about to really consult God or to hear what he's telling us. 
Telling us so that we can, I have this day set thee over the nations. God has set you over whatever that circumstance could be in your life. He set you over it. I know at the present time it might not seem like he has, but it's only because of the fact that you right now are focusing on the physical realm. You're not focusing on the spiritual realm, and that's where we need to get. That's, that's the takeaway for today. Okay? That's the takeaway. All right? Being true Christians, what God, Jesus has termed as Christianity, or Apostle Paul was the first one to coin it, but that, that term Christianity, but, but at Antioch, but, 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 but what Jesus was talking about, which is the message of his Father, is that there's a spiritual realm out there, and I'm in you, and you are in me. You can't try to explain that intellectually or from a physics point of view, but we know that spiritually that's a reality. Amen? Amen? So now we see here that uh, um, God knew us, and then go on to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. You know, and, and, and it, it, it takes... It takes, it, takes, it takes some effort. It takes some effort to be reminded of these things. It takes some effort for us to think on these things. Because our first interesting word, our first natural instinct is to just start worrying. Is just to start wondering. Is to just figure out what can I do, you know. Instead of remembering that I have this spiritual connection with God. That is more real than anything that I'm wrestling with. That that is the reality. That is the reality. You know, and, 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 and it's hard for us as human beings to shift our minds because from the time that we are born and the time that we're in this physical world and as we're going to school and being educated and so forth like that and learning, it is so much about the physical realm. You know, um, the schools, unfortunately, do not get to this deep spiritual level. And I mean, and even in, in some Christian schools, and I can't say all because obviously I don't know all Christian schools, but in many Christian schools that I am aware of and have seen, even though they may teach the Bible and whatnot, they're not, they're not ingraining in the kids. Can you imagine what it would be if your child, if you were ingraining in your child all of the time to focus on the spirit realm? That child would behave much differently, I, I would suspect. I would suspect that at some point even the child may run into some challenges in school as they started growing. Because when there's a problem, I could see this kid speaking about spiritual realities. And people looking at this kid and saying, whoa boy, this kid is doo-doo-doo-doo. You know, because, you know, this is a, this is a physical thing here, you know. You know, the, 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 the poor kid has a hard time in, in, in PT, physical ed, you know, or something like that. And instead of this kid, you know, jumping up on the rope and trying to climb the rope which he's struggling before he does he drops on his knees and he starts saying in the name of Jesus Lord give me that. <laughs> okay and this kid's like six or seven years old doing that can you imagine how that kid would be looked at you see you see because most of our society today does not focus a lot on the spiritual realities you see but this is the reason of the body of Christ this is the purpose of the church though this is why we put kids into Sunday school at an earlier age as we can possibly do that because this is where we start teaching them that there is something else besides this physical reality you know you, you, you know so so that when your your kid is being chased by a dog or something the kid turns around and says in the name of Jesus I rebuke you you know and so forth and you see the dog put on skid marks which I have seen 
Okay, when I was being chased by a dog. Literally, turned around in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. Doberman Pinscher was growling and chasing me, and I turned around, and the thing did one of those Scooby-Doo stops where he was skidding to stop back. Don't explain, you know, I, I, it's a spiritual reality, you see. But you've got to get to the point that you believe that and that you know that it's very, very real. Amen? So, Psalm 139, we were made in God's image. Um, let's start with verse number 1. O Lord, Thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and my uprising. Thou understand my thought afar off. Thou compass me my path. Thou compass my path and my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord. Thou knowest it all together. Okay? So what God is saying here in this psalm here is in, in, in verse number two, you know my downs, you know my sitting down, you know my getting up. You understand my thoughts that are far off. You, you surround my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. So in other words, God knows everything about you. God knows you getting up, going to bed. God knows everything about you. We forget about that. God knows it. So if God knows everything about you, that means that he knows your current situation. He knows whatever it is you're striving for. He knows whatever it is that you're praying for. He knows what your needs are. Amen? God knows everything about you. He knows every single thought. We can deceive ourselves. We can deceive other people. You know, even was Abe Lincoln said, you can deceive some of the people some of the time, or some of the time, but you can't, all the people all the time. I forget the exact quote. Bottom line is saying you can't deceive all the people all the time. Well, God knows. God knows everything that you're saying. I'm not a historian. But uh, God knows everything that you're saying. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Verse 5, thou hast beset me behind and before, and laid thy hand upon me. Please in the line, and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from your spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? Please underline that. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness uh, hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my inward parts, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You see? So underline that, please. I am fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. And then in verse number 13, Thou hast covered me, thou hast possessed my inward part, and thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I am fearfully made. You do not understand the awesome, the awesome existence that you are. You don't understand the awesome being that you are. Amen? You're wonderfully and you're fearfully made. Okay? I mean, even, I mean, this, what does it say? Uh, Marvelous are thy works and that my soul. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
For I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And you know from looking at science, all of us seen these science shows, and you can see how the human body is constructed and everything, and, and what it takes for man to even build a robot, an android as it's called today, that can walk and talk and do the things that we do, the components that are needed. I, I read an article one time where just the joints of, of, of making a robot's hand to be as dexterous as our fingers are, and the movements that we can make, what a challenge that was to make a robot even stand upright and not lose its balance. You know, our human bodies are, it's an awesome construction. The human eye, I mean, everything that we are, you know. So, so God created you. You are his workmanship, as we read earlier. So knowing all of that, you think that God is going to let you just go aside and just have you just out there, you know, floundering in life, not being able to do uh, what it is that you need to do. And where can you go where God is not? Looking at the earlier parts of uh, of the psalm, 139, verse number 1, you know my down-sitting, you know my uprising, you understand my thoughts from far off, you encompass my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways, for there is not a word in, in my tongue that you... Um, but, O oh Lord, Thou knowest it altogether. So God knows everything about you, no matter whether you're standing or sitting or where it is that you're going. Understand that. Okay? Part of the reason that we as Christians get so uptight and worried about things that are on our plate is because somehow we start thinking that we are disconnected from God, that God doesn't know. Okay? God clearly, clearly knows everything that's going on with you. John 15. John 15. I'm giving you these scriptures here so you can really, really, I almost want to say, become convinced, you know, or understand here that you are not alone. And to get to a higher level in in relating to God and in waiting on God and in trusting God. John 15. John 15. And we go to verse number 15. Henceforth I called you not servants, for the servant knows not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Please in the line, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you. That you should go and bring forth fruit. Underline, um, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And then underline, uh, that you should go forth and bring fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatever you shall ask of the Father in my name, please underline, whatever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. Okay, on the line, please, these things I command you, you love one another. All right, but the, the important words there is that in verse number 16, you have not chosen me, I have chosen you. All right, so don't think that while it is true that you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and that was indeed your choice to do that, God chose you. In other words, from the foundations of time, as it said earlier, before you're in the womb, God chose you and set you aside and ordained you and sanctified you and had a purpose for your life. So God chose you. So if God chose you, are you out there by yourself? Okay. Uh, Did he choose you and then decide not to pay attention? You know, 
Many of us played softball or, or stickball and, and so forth when we were kids. And remember, you had to choose a team, you know. And you always tried to get the best people and so forth like that. And you chose a guy because of his skills or what you thought he could do on the field. You didn't forget about that person. Amen. So God chose you. So if God chose you, he is not the kind of God to just choose you and then forget about you and let you go out there and play the game um, and without any kind of support. Okay? So, yeah, you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but why did you do this? Because God was speaking to you, you see. And thank God you had enough sense, you know, to, to answer back and respond. There are so many people out there that God is calling to, and they just choose not to, not to respond. They just choose not to hear him. They just choose not to react. All right? But God chose you. So the fact that God chose you, that means that obviously he knows who you are, and he's not going to let you go through this life by yourself and struggling. All right? So remember that, that God chose you. God chose you. You didn't choose him. You know, you know, God chose you, and then you simply responded to his call. So knowing all this, why do we lose faith? All right? All right? Why do we lose faith? Why do we worry? Okay? Now... I'm not saying that after hearing this message and you go through the rest of the week and the day thinking about it, that you'll never worry again, or there'll never be a time for you to have some anxiety. But what I'm saying to you is that the times of worry and the times of anxiety, with the more that you learn, those times, those periods of anxiety should become shorter and shorter. Shorter and shorter. Amen? Jesus said that we'll have tribulations in this life. You know, there's nothing that we can do that the devil won't come to bring some tribulation because we're still on this earth. We have not gone back to the Lord yet. Amen. So there will be tribulation. But the difference between us and the non-believer or the unbeliever is the fact that we know what to do about it. When the devil fires a, a, a dart at us or shoots at us or something comes up in our lives that we're wrestling with. Amen. So the time that you spent being anxious and worrying years ago should be getting shorter and shorter and shorter because you're learning more and more and hopefully understanding about the deeper things of God. This is the purpose here today. Amen. That you get to a real point here where there's such a huge paradigm shift in your mind, that there's such a huge shift in your thought process that elevates you out of this physical realm here and get you up to that higher spiritual realm where there's a deep understanding in your spirit that God is connected to me. All right? That I am not out there by myself. Driving on a lonely road someplace, God is in that car with you. Angels are around about you. Knowing that God knows what's going on in your life. Amen? Knowing that he knows it. And, 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 and so then we say, you know, why, why do I worry? And what is my, why, why do I lose faith? So when that action or, or the devil starts getting into your head trying to make you go in that direction in terms of worry and losing faith, you think back on what we're talking about here today. God knows who I am. God knew me before I had any sense of consciousness. You know, we are all sentient beings and we have, you know, a sense of awareness and whatnot. But God knows us better because God knew us before we became aware of ourselves. God had a plan, you know. Imagine a huge file drawer in heaven or something like that, file cabinet, you know, and there's a file folder on you. Amen. God knew what the plan was. God knows what you're going through right now, what the scriptures say. He knows what's happening in your life. He knows what's going to be coming in your life. So you've got to move to that higher spiritual level. Amen. Last bit of scriptures here, 1 John.
first chapter of John um, 3. Okay, 1 John 3, and starting at verse number 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. This is the line, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knows us not, because it knew Him not. Okay, so we're the children of God, but the world, people that don't know God, you know, does not know us. Okay, because it knew him not. Verse number two. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall all see him as he is. Now think about that, okay? Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, it does not, we do not know what we shall look like, what it will be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. So at some point in time, speaking about this spiritual reality, what this is saying here, that we don't know what it's going to be like when Jesus does return and Jesus does appear and we go to heaven. But, but it does say, though, that we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now that just sends chills, you know, up my spine. I think that at some time I'm going to see God, see Jesus as he is. You know, you know where it says in Scripture that at, at the time, at the, 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 the final trump, uh, the, your body will be changed in the twinkling of an eye and so on. All right, we shall see him uh, as he is. Then he goes to say in verse number three, and every man that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. All right. So again, that ties us back. This is I'm giving you the scriptures so you see about the spiritual reality of your existence to get you off of being hung up on your physical reality. Because yes, we're in this physical world and we exist in this in this physical world, but the world where it really counts, that spiritual realm, this is what we're tied to and this is where our victories come from. Okay, knowing that that God is, we are a spirit being. We're linked to Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there, ministering to us, talking to us, guiding us, speaking to us. Lord Jesus is there. God the Father is there, and we're made in His image. Amen. That is the true you. Really, truly, the last scripture, one Corinthians, one Corinthians, chapter two. Praise God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Okay You've got to know who you are You've got to know who you are You know If, if you um, You know Walk into your mom's house Or a relative's house And you're part of the family And you have the key to that house And you belong there You walk boldly in that house Anyone, no one dare challenge why you're there because you know who you are. You're a member of the family. If anyone was to challenge you and ask you to leave, you say, wait a minute. 
that's my aunt so-and-so, that's my mom, that's my dad, I belong here, I have a right to be here, there's an authority for me, I have the authority to be here, you see. Well, so it is with us relative to the things of God, okay? You, you, have, you, you have a right with the expectation that God is going to look out for you, he's going to be there to help you because you're his son, you're his daughter, amen? So, what, what, why do we lose faith, you know? Uh, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you, and, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Please in the line, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Underline that too. But in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect or mature. Yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the princes of this age, that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. Please know line, Which God ordained before the ages unto our glory. Which none of the princes of this age knew. Which none of the princes of this age knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay? So this is again now, this is, this is again here in closing, where it's hanging on to this, this, this deeper spiritual reality. Verse 5, I really love verse 5, kind of sums it up. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. When you're wrestling with something, you don't stand in the wisdom of men. You know, and I mean, and, and, and this is any man. I mean, yes, God may direct us to an individual where God can sometimes confirm things through another human being and so forth, all right? But the bottom line is that where our real understanding comes from is, is the power of God and having an understanding of the power of God, okay? And the reason why it says there where, where your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men is because men are subject to error, men can make a mistake. Even though they may be well-intentioned, you know. And when I say man, that means women too. I'm talking about mankind, people. People, people can be well-intentioned, but they're subject to error. God is not. God does not make mistakes. Your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when you've got an issue that's going on in your life, I don't care how much someone may say, oh boy, you've got a heck of a problem on your hands. Oh gee, I don't know how you're going to overcome that. I don't know this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right? Your faith is not there. Your faith is in the power of God. All right? And now, after knowing what we know today, that power of God is even more powerful in my life because God knew me before my mom and dad knew me. That God had a plan for my life. He's had his hand on me. He, he keeps his hand on me. And that where I'm going, God is going to take me and he's not going to let me falter. Amen. Devil may come in to try and, 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 uh, and um, what can I say, to try to impact um, my path. But God is there. And the power of God, that's where my faith is. Not anything that a man can do to me. However we speak, again verse 6, however we speak wisdom among them that are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the princes of this age that come to nothing. And we see that today because this age is changing. 
the wisdom of this age would have things that are right as being wrong, those things that are wrong as being right. You know, there's this whole political correctness thing that in many cases takes you outside of what is right in terms of of biblical truth. Amen. So again, here it's talking about, we don't speak of the wisdom, um, uh, the wisdom of this age, because times are indeed changes, nor of the princes or the rulers of this age that come to nothing. You see the rulers of this age, of this current time that comes to nothing. Look, are things any better? You know, are things getting better? So many promises being made and then you find out that the person making the promise is a criminal themselves or is doing things that are certainly outside of the word of God. So we certainly don't want to be following those princes or those rulers in verse number 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. And what is a mystery? A mystery is something that is at one time unknown. A mystery is merely something that at one time was unknown. But then it becomes revealed. We, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages unto our glory. All right? So those things that are mysteries, God ordained them long before we were even born, which none of the princes of this age knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And you stop and think about that. I mean, if the people that Jesus was talking to, if they had known, you know, would they, have, would they have crucified him? Jesus was talking truth, spiritual truth. You see how the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees, how they reacted. You see Rome's role in there. Of course, we know that Jesus had to die, but still there are many people, though, that did not believe Jesus. Simply as that, they did not believe him. You see? He was speaking truth, and no one recognized it. God was right before them, and they did not even recognize him. Amen? Amen? So again, in closing here, in this day and age, and the things with which we wrestle, or the things with which, if, if everything is just going along, peachy keen in your life, praise God, and there's no issues and nothing that you're challenged about, praise the Lord and everything, but if you ever get to that point that there is an issue that's in your life, stop and elevate yourself beyond this physical reality. And remember that who you are. You've got to know who you are. Before this current situation, God knew it was going to happen. Because God knew about it before I was even a twinkle in mom and dad's eye. Amen? Amen? God knew about it before I was born. God has called me and chosen me. And he is there with me and he's guiding me. God knows my getting up. God knows my laying down. Amen? You're not in this by yourself. You know, and if you can ever think of, you, you, you know, you, you, I don't know, going into a scary environment, you know, I, I don't know what comes to mind is, I don't know, you're at, a, at an amusement park and you've got one of those haunted house um, attractions there or something like that and you decide and you want to go through it and you may not go through it by yourself, but if someone goes with you, you know, you feel a little more bolstered, you, know, you go through it. Well, God is not alone and think sometimes life can be scary. But for a child of God, that fear should not last. Amen? That fear should not last. All right? So again, don't go thinking that you won't ever have tribulations or you won't ever have anxious times or, or a worry will pop up. But the thing here as Christians, and then you stop and you reflect on your own life, the period of time that you remain worried 
or feel threatened or anxious should be shorter and shorter and shorter the more you understand God. You know, when you get to the point that, you know, I, I don't know how many times emergency situations have jumped up in our lives and the first thing that we do is after we hear whatever that is, we join hands, those of us who are at home at the time, and we pray. It's the first thing we do. We do it for family members, we do it for friends, whenever there's a, a, a crisis that pops up, after we get over the initial shock, whoever is at home, the first thing we do is, okay, let's pray. You see, and that's what you need to get to. There's another reality out there that is more real than this physical world in which we operate on a day-to-day basis. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Think on these things, chew on them, meditate on them. I pray this message was a blessing to you. And now, uh, before we close, let us prepare to honor God with our tithes and offerings.